I am John. Most people know me as John the Baptizer. And from what I've heard, my life has always been special. My parents were too old to have a kid. And yet, here I am. <laughs> my, my father was promised a son that would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even before I was born. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life is undeniable. Obvious, really. From the way that I moved in my mother's womb to my confidence in God's call on my life, there is no doubt that the Holy Spirit's at work through me. You know, as long as I can remember, I've been different. <laughs> While my friends were trying to figure out what they should do and what they should follow, I was always certain of who I should be. The things that were important to all the people around me, that didn't matter to me. The things that were important, they cared about how they looked and what they wore. And as to me, the only thing that mattered was that I had clothes that worked. Enough calories to keep me alive and the training to do the things that I was certain for which God had called me to do. In this region, our government is rather unstable. Any person with even a mild popular following is perceived as a threat to our leadership. Oppression and military force are what our governance is using to cover up their own insecurities. So even my tiny group of followers puts me at risk. So my life is relegated to the shadows, to the wilderness. By making myself not so easy to find, I can secure enough time to accomplish everything that God needs from me. First, I know that God has called me to preach and to baptize. God has given me a rather clear and simple message. Repent and be baptized. Turn away from the sin that draws us away from God. And symbolically, be washed clean. When people ask me how they should live, I tell them, live like you mean when you pro what you proclaimed in your baptism. Stop sinning. Be honest. Be generous to those who don't have what they need. I think it was my uncompromised confidence that made people believe that I was more important, that I was the promised Savior. <laughs> but earlier today, I met the real Savior of the world. I baptize only symbolically with water. But the Savior I met earlier today will infuse baptism with the Holy Spirit. The sa Savior stood and waited in the water. And as I prayed and immersed, I saw with my own eyes the Holy Spirit coming down upon this man in the form of a dove. I heard with my own ears the booming voice of God affirm that this man, the Savior, was Jesus his son, whom he desperately loved. I'm John the Baptizer. 
I'm chosen by God, and I stood in the river with the Christ, the Savior, God's Son, Jesus, as he transformed the waters of baptism. I want to ask you, have you ever had a situation so desperate, a mission so critical that you couldn't imagine anything standing in your way to getting that completed? Have you ever had that moment where there was nothing that was going to get in the way, where, where you can't imagine anyone even caring, caring about the, the look on your face or the, the way that you're going about this task because what you're going to do You can't imagine it not getting done by you. Have you ever had that experience in your life? Today, we're going to take a close look at a man named John, John the Baptist. And he lived a life on mission that was so critical, so essential, so unbelievably Uh, central to who he was, that he would let nothing stand in the way of what God had called him to do. In fact, I would say in this entire series that we've been in and expecting Christmas, we have looked at characters and stories from the Bible that lead us into expecting the Jesus of Christmas, right? And today I want to take those stories and take this story that is central today And help us to not only look forward to Christmas, that is in two weeks, if you haven't started the countdown yet, it's two weeks, but also to look at the Christmas that comes into our life every day. You know, there's this moment that begins the story of John the Baptist, a story that we've already engaged with as part of this series, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And in that story of Zechariah, God promises Zechariah that even in his old age, in Elizabeth's old age, that he would give them a son. And he was to name that son John, and John would be the herald, the, the, the one that would prepare the way for the Lord. And in fact, that was such an incredible promise, an incredible miracle when Elizabeth became pregnant, that that was the miracle that spoke to Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she was having her encounter with God, and she questioned whether this was even possible, but was reminded that if what happened to Elizabeth, if she was pregnant in her own age as a promise fulfillment from God, then what she was to experience was not impossible either, because nothing is impossible with God. And that little baby that miracle baby that Elizabeth bore was the person that we are going to talk about today. That was John the Baptist. And the angel Gabriel, as he is is laying the groundwork for for this baby that is to be born, tells Zechariah these words. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. You see, for 400 years, the voice of God had been silent. The last prophet to speak on behalf of God was 400 years before this story. And so you can imagine how easy it would have been to lose sight that God was still weaving a story throughout history. In fact, even the priests were losing sight 
of the story that God was writing through all of history. And so when Zechariah encountered an angel, he could clearly see that God was weaving his story through him. That voice was beginning to stir again. Started with the angel and Zechariah and then the angel in, in Mary's story of, of her encounter with an angel. But there was a stirring that needed to happen with greater urgency. The, the stirring, the voice of God, well, it needed a, a new prophet, a new big voice to proclaim, to prepare, to set the stage for what Jesus would do. 400 years of silence broken by the movement of God in the story that we're in today. And this big voice that was promised to John was fueled by the Holy Spirit. It was his filling in the Holy Spirit that, that shaped this voice that he was to have. God chose John, and God's choosing John shaped, shaped him. It shaped John the Baptist. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he was changed. John could lead no other life. God was telling his story of salvation and hope through John. John was a new prophet being shaped by the Holy Spirit. God chose Zechariah and Elizabeth from the stations that they had in their life to be bearers, to be parents to God's chosen messenger. John was chosen to herald the good news of inclusive salvation to fulfill a previous prophecy, a 700-year-old prophecy that came from Isaiah. And that one reads this. There will be a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. God chose John to be the one to prepare the way of the Lord. He would do the work of carrying the good news, right? of carrying that victory story of Jesus. John would do the big voice work of, of making sure that the ground is level at Jesus' feet. Where there were pitfalls and barriers from the wilderness, John would build a highway. I love that terminology. He would build a highway to Jesus. And the way that God's choosing shaped John was evident to everyone who saw this miracle. That story, that's the miracle of this story that Jesus was telling, or that God was telling. In Luke 1, it says this, Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child, John, going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And Zechariah knew the, the answer to that question, the fullness of who his son was to become. And he said these words, And you, my child, speaking to John, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on ahead before the Lord and prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. God's choosing shaped John the Baptist 
by filling him with the Holy Spirit and God's choosing purpose, John the Baptist's life. See, John never wondered what he would do. When God chose John the Baptist, he set a course for John's life. He had purpose. And that purpose was to prepare the way. The way for Jesus to deliver good news of salvation through forgiveness. John was the prophet that was foretold of, that would trigger the world events that led everyone to Jesus. Now, news likely spread a little bit different 2,000 years ago. I suspect that there was a different way of getting information than the internet, and nobody carried a cell phone with them. But there were centers of communication in every town, people who were charged with bringing news from one place to another, and making sure that that there was accurate and government-approved information for everyone to know about what was going on in their region or their sphere of influence, what was going on in the world. So that traditional herald, a news source moving from town to town, approved by the government, well, that wasn't going to work for somebody like John. And so like the prophets of old, what they, how they had indicated, John's message would well up or swell up around the outskirts. In Luke 3, we read that he went, this is John, went into all the country around the Jordan, which is a river, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. For John, according to Jewish custom, Baptism was a purification ritual. You see, baptism existed before Jesus, and John was a part of that baptism. It was practiced both in Jewish culture and pagan culture, and it was this symbolic washing and transformation that people would experience through immersion, primarily, or sprinkling of water. But John was crystal clear about the baptism that he was doing. The forgiveness of sins that John was preaching was rooted in something called repentance. And repentance is that that intentional moving away from sin. And sin is that which stands in the way of our relationship with God himself. The things that we do, the things that we say, the behaviors, the thoughts that are identified in the law, as being contrary to who God is. And so repentance is the intentional movement away from those behaviors and thoughts. And so this baptism that John was doing, this this message of repentance, was rooted in all of mankind's will. Their ability to withstand the pressure of sin, and to move in the other direction. And, and that repentance could lead to forgiveness and restoration, but only if it's done to perfection, right? It depends on a perfection that doesn't exist within mankind. And to seal that act of will... John would perform a purification baptism to symbolically make the recipient clean and to set them on a course for this will-driven, repentant life. So there's a little bit of information, right? 
about what baptism was. But what's important for us to see in that is not all the information of that, but to see the imperfection of that. Because the imperfection of that system is rooted in our own imperfection. And it's why John was leading, was making the way straight, was making the path straight, was, was leveling the ground to Jesus. Because Jesus, and this is the, the information that John gives in this time, Jesus was going to be reframing, repurposing, transforming baptism for all people for all time. Because the baptism that John was doing that was just water and symbolic would be transformed into an infusion of the Holy Spirit. Fire as what he says about the baptism of Jesus. And this message that John had, this message of a, a, a second baptism, a, a new baptism that was coming, that was infused by Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit, was the road and singular mission that John's life was. His life was purposed by this mission. Nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. Only the mission and purpose of God to preach a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And on that, John was laser focused. God's choosing focused John the Baptist. See, God chose John. And God's choosing shaped him by the power of the Holy Spirit. It purposed him through the task that he was given. And it focused John's entire life. From before his birth to the tragic circumstances of his death, every aspect, every step of John's life was on mission, birthed in God's choosing. But I want to tell you something critical about all of these stories that we recount in God's word. All of these stories that lead us into Christmas. This is not just a history lesson about John. You see, the the way that John's life was chosen by God... The way that John's life was shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit. The way John's life was purposed through his call. The way John's life was focused by, his, by God's determ- God-given determination. All of this is representative of this living and active word of God. The author of Hebrews says it this way, for the word of God is living and active. And what I mean by this is that in, in one way, these stories prepare our understanding of the historical events that bring us to Christmas. And so we can know the, the truth and history of the events of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. That's one aspect of these stories that we look at. But there is a more central aspect of these stories that speak to us individually, that speak to us today, thousands of years later, that speak to us because they are alive in us. And so the choosing, 
the shaping, the purposing, the focusing. Those are transferable to our lives because the word of God doesn't end with history. First Peter says it this way, or Peter says it this way in his first letter. How about that? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. What an incredible promise. The choosing, it wasn't just for Zechariah, Elizabeth. It wasn't just for people like Mary and today's John. But the choosing is for all of us. I think it's really easy to get that wrong because we've got a lot of baggage when it comes to choosing. You know, when I was in elementary school and middle school, there was always one particular field trip that we were going to count on happening in a particular year. And that was the annual trip to a place called Great Skate. (laughs) Great Skate. I can still smell the disinfectant in the roller skates. But Great Skate is where you went to play video games, to drink too much soda, to break dance, because that's kind of what we did, and to skate circles on roller skates around the rink. But there was one particular thing that happened in every single field trip, every single time I went there for a birthday party or whatever else, that the DJ would kind of stop everything going on and he would call for the snowball. Right? Yeah. You know, you remember the snowball. And the snowball, if you're unfamiliar, is this opportunity for all the girls to to line up on one side of the rink and then all the boys would skate around. And the objective of the snowball was that you were going to choose somebody to hold hands with and skate around the rink. They'd slow down the music, you know, as maybe like every breath you take by the police is the 80s. And you'd have this snowball experience as you skated around the rink, right? Absolutely the worst popularity contest of all time, right? (laughs) I said that, uh, that nobody would get away doing that today, but I was informed that if you go and you roller skate at places that are still open, they still do a snowball, so... But I and my friends, we determined that there was a lot more fun to be had than the snowball itself. So what we would do is we would wait for all the couples to couple, right? They're skating around, and we would gather up everyone who's left, and we would all hold hands in a big string as we went around. And then the goal of that was the person at the very front of that long string of people would abruptly come to a stop. And then everyone would swing on by. And then by the time you get to the end of that 30-person chain, it was like a whip snapping at the end, right? Incredibly hard on my shoulders, but a ton of fun. You know, I think the reason I tell a story like that is not just to bring back the nostalgia, but it's because I think it's really easy to get into that elementary and middle school mindset about choosing, right? Because I never was the person who 
stood and waited for somebody to choose me. But I can imagine that there were feelings of, I need to look right. I need to have the right friends. I need to be right. I need to achieve something in order to be chosen. And I think we think of those things and we laugh about them from our childhood. They're probably what we talk about our counselors with as we are adults. (laughs) But I think we get that wrong in so many areas of our life. That we have to look a certain way. That we have to, to achieve a certain something in order to be chosen. But the choosing, the choosing that God does on your life is not based on anything that we would say deserves that type of merit. Because God is choosing you, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. God is choosing you out of his magnificent, wonderful, incomprehensible love that he has for you. The same choosing that God placed onto John the Baptist's life, that same choosing is for you. God chose you, is shaping you, calls you to purpose, and brings your life into focus. So I ask you a question today. Do you want to know this fullness to walk in what it means to be chosen by God? Because I can tell you all of, the, all of scripture, all of, all of history points to the fact that he is choosing you. But the first step to walking in that is to say yes to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Or maybe you want to be reignited in this life that is chosen by God, that is powered by the Holy Spirit, that is purposed by a call, that is focused out of determination. You want to recommit your life to Jesus. If you want to say yes to that today, I encourage you to do that as well. And to to make this something that we all do together, I want to pray this prayer along with all of you. And if you would say each phrase after I do, I would just ask that you would do that. So pray this aloud with me. Heavenly Father, sorry that I have sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please send your Holy Spirit to live in me. And today I say yes to following you. Amen. If you would do, if you would just bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. If you said yes today to walking in that chosen path that God has for you for the very first time, if you said yes today to reigniting that purpose in your life, I would just ask that you'd raise your hand. You can put your hands down and you can open your eyes. 
it's a pretty powerful piece of scripture out of 1 Peter that we look at today. And I want to do something just a little bit different, a little bit special. If you said yes today, or if you want prayer this morning in your life, after the service, there'll be somebody at the blue table in the room online. I encourage you to go to redeemermn.org slash next steps. And there you can get the prayer and make the connections for those next steps in your life. But what I want to do in this moment as we engage with this truth of God's word is I want to invite you to stand, whether you're online at home. Um, don't stand if you're watching in your car, but, um, but if you can stand in the room. And I want to proclaim the, truth, truths of the truths of this verse over all of you today. So if you just place your hands out like this. God chose you. God chose us, but he also already chose you. He chose your perfect beauty. He chose your genuine laugh. He chose your hair that won't go just how you want it. He chose you with your big personality. He chose you in your securities and your insecurities. God God can't love you any more than he does today or any less than he ever has. And out of this incomprehensible love, God chose you. God is shaping you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, God is shaping you. God is guiding you and designing perfection in you. God is shaping you into a life that is filled with deep care and love. God is shaping you. God is calling you to his purpose. God calls you to his royal priesthood. God calls you to his holy nation. God calls you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. God sets your path before you to witness to the Christmas miracle of Jesus for you today. God brings your life into focus. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, the inconsequential pieces fade away. And the beauty of God's love comes into focus. God's priorities well up in us in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. What seemed once impossible on our own is now only possible with God. God chose you. God is shaping you. God is calling you to his purpose. And God is bringing your life into focus. Lord, we thank you that your word has this truth for all of us today. And as we step towards Christmas in faith, may we know that you chose us, that you shape us, that you give our life purpose, and that you focus us on who you are. Receive this final benediction and blessing. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.